Welcome to another episode of CrossCast. My name is Chad Barlow. I'm your host. Thanks for listening to another episode. CrossCast is a conversational style podcast where we talk about how to be disciples and make disciples of Jesus Christ for the glory of God and the joy of his people. This episode is obviously not a part of the Crossway DNA series that I started last week with Aaron. Um, I actually have the opportunity to interview my friend, brother in Christ, and um, covenant partner of the Crossing Church, Brandon Dupre, today. Brandon, thanks for being on today. It's great to be on with you, Chad. Yeah, I can't wait. Um, this first episode that we're going to do, we might do two, but this first one, we're just going to we're going to get to know Brandon a little bit more. Um, as always, a first-time guest, I always ask him a testimony and some interesting. We're going to talk about Brandon's journey at the Crossing. Uh, and his hopes and dreams for one day vocational ministry, which includes being enrolled in seminary right now. And uh, Brandon, I'm just looking forward to hearing your story and uh, know that the Lord will use it and what you're learning right now in seminary to encourage the body. So how about we start, as usual, with a first-time guest, just three to five minute testimony. I know for those of us who are at man school, we did get to hear it, and it was great and encouraging. Um, but I know not every listener was able to attend our man school meeting, so uh, the the floor is yours, Mr. Dupre. Thanks, Chad, and I have to say I do really enjoy this podcast, so great work with it and, and keep you. it up. It's really encouraging. Appreciate it. Thanks. So I grew up in the Roman Catholic tradition and grew up right here in Fort Collins, Loveland area, and so I grew up um, participating in Mass and all of the, the sacraments. I was baptized as a baby. I did confirmation and did communion and went to confession regularly. Uh, and although I, I grew up in this in this tradition, I didn't personally know the Lord. And I believe that I was taught good values and generally how to be a, a good person morally. Mm. Um, but I definitely was not seeking Jesus uh, for a personal relationship. And so um, when when college came around and I went to Colorado State University. I really just abandoned the Catholic faith, and I replaced going to Mass with going to parties and this this lifestyle of drinking a lot and chasing girls. Uh, this lifestyle just consumed me, uh, and it's it's what I pursued for for five years at CSU. I took the took the victory oh, lap. Victory lap. <laughs> Good yep. for you. Nothing um, wrong with that. <laughs> I did too. Hey, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. And so my, my lifestyle and my my main goal was just, it was really concerned with, with myself and my image and a lot of vanity. Uh, I mentioned at a man's school that um, at one point during my college time, I, I did a physique competition uh, to look shredded. And again, it's just, it, my, my lifestyle revolved around this image of, of the party scene. And uh, I definitely um, idolized my career after college as well. And I was in the business school and uh, they definitely hound you on what you're going to do after college, and they want you to get a really good job, and they make it the end-all, be-all. And so that was definitely um, a motivating factor as well. And so for me, college was was a really good time, as you can tell, um, in a worldly sense, that is. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't fulfilling, and I'll talk about that here in a minute, but at the time, I, I took a lot of joy in it. Uh, but then when my time at CSU was, was winding down. 
um, I started to, to reflect a little bit more and I was, I was genuinely saddened by the idea of, of having to leave college mm. because it's what all of my worth and image was, was in, was this college lifestyle. And so to, to leave college was a pretty sad reality. Uh, and I accepted a job in, in Denver with a company, Charles Schwab, that I wasn't really looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Um, and leaving the Fort Collins lifestyle, leaving this party scene was, was not something that seemed like a good time. And so <laughs> after I graduated, I, I, I said, hey, this summer, it's my last chance, my last hoorah. I'm going to grab a friend. I'm going to go backpack Europe and just kind of live it up one more time. Yeah. And, and sure enough, we did. We backpacked Europe and we were there for, for about 40 days and... I continued that same lifestyle over there. I was probably drunk for 38 of the 40 days, and um, and it, it wasn't towards until towards the end of of this trip that the reality started to sink in that I'm gonna have to go back to the states, move to Denver, and start this new life. And it just stole all the joy away from me. Mm. I, I wasn't excited about my future life, my future career. It didn't have meaning. It didn't have purpose. And mm. our last stop was in was in Rome, Italy. And there's a lot of church history there. And just kind of being in these cathedrals, which kind of, it sparked an interest to maybe seek something that gave me more meaning and purpose. And so I, at the time, I had a friend who had graduated from CSU and moved to Denver. And he said, hey, there's a great church down here. When you come move down here, I'd love for you to check it out with me. And I kind of, you know, brushed it off, but but it was in Rome. And I said, okay, when I get back to Colorado, when I move to Denver, I'm going to go check out this church and see if it's, see what it's all about. Because at that point, I, I just didn't have a lot of purpose or fulfillment in my life. And yeah, I just, I needed something else. Um, so sure enough, I, I moved to Denver when I got back from Europe and I started my job at Charles Schwab, and, and I said, okay, I'm going to go check out this church, Park Church Denver. And wow, they just, the beauty of the gospel was articulated to me. Mm. And I was just in awe of who God was. And we were actually going through, they were going through Revelation at the time. And they were going verse by verse, chapter by chapter. And I just remember this chapter on Revelation 4 of, of just John being in the presence, the throne room of God, and what that experience was like. And it really just sh- it shook me, mm. uh, and it gave me a grand vision of, of who God actually was. Um, and it was then that, that I was like, man, I want this. There's, there's purpose, there's meaning, there's fulfillment here. And so it was within a few weeks of being back from, from Europe that... God changed my heart, that the gospel took root in my heart, and I trusted in Him as my Lord and Savior, and man, it, it, it was obviously life-changing. Mm-hmm. My, my career that I didn't like had purpose. I knew that I was in Denver for a reason. I had joy that wasn't circumstantial. It wasn't rooted in girls or the party scene or my career, but it was rooted in, in, in Jesus and who He says that I am in Him, and mm-hmm. so it was a, it was a pretty dramatic conversion, to be honest, from yeah. the way I was living and until until that day. And man, I am just so thankful for the grace that God showed me to, to just bring me out of this lifestyle and to Amen. show me the beauty of the gospel. Praise God! Yeah, and your identity was also no longer in the size of your pectoral muscles. <laughs> <laughs> that is also true. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to. It's uh, it's um. 
so we all have our own unique stories, right? Everyone's story is, is different in its own way. But there's, have you noticed even just following Jesus for, you know, how, how long, how, when, when was that? This was probably six and a half years yeah, ago. Yeah, okay. I'm about a seven-year-old Christian too. You notice like so many of our testimonies and stories of salvation are like a misplaced identity. Like w- apart from God, where everyone's finding their value and their worth and their purpose in something and learns that it's totally empty and purposeless and sinful. And God causes us to see the Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior and ourselves as sinners and needing that. And then we realize, oh, yeah, like that's where my identity is. That's where my life is, has value, purpose, worth. So I agree. Yes and amen. So um, how did you? No, no, no. Interesting fact. <laughs> I didn't give you too much of a warning about this one. And I'm going to be a hard judge. If it's not interesting enough, you're going to have to. <laughs> Everyone struggles with this, but. Yeah. An interesting fact. I mean, I don't know how interesting this is, but I, I love spreadsheets. <laughs> I knew that, and it's, a lot of people do, but maybe not all the listeners do. So. I see it as a as a blank canvas. You know, it's it's my. I'm not a very artistic person, but mm-hmm. once you open up an Excel spreadsheet and it's just you hide the grid lines, it, it literally is a blank canvas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, um, and you're really good with them because, you know, you're a finance guy and yeah, that's, that's, that's interesting. I'll let it pass. That's a good one. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so how did you get involved with the crossing church? Tell us that story and how long you've been here. And yeah, great question. And so it'll actually go back to my time at CSU. Um, like I said, I, I grew up Catholic and so really all I knew was mass and I guess I gotta tell a little bit of backstory here. Yeah. But about halfway through my time at CSU, I decided to study abroad, and I went to Sydney, Australia. Oh, whoa! And um, so again, I grew up Catholic. I I was pretty critical of my Protestant friends, and mm. I pretty much would just bash them with facts that I had learned or traditions that I knew, and you know, essentially said. The Catholic tradition is the one true way, and I was very stubborn, and so I never went to a Protestant church. Um, but in in college, when I went to, to Sydney, Australia, uh, I had a friend that I met there say, hey, I'm going to go check out Hillsong. And I had heard of them because I had known their music. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're obviously really popular with music, and I guess they they were started in Sydney, Australia. And so I said, you know, I'll go check it out. And the the difference between mass and a and a Hillsong <laughs> service could not be more stark. It was like a rock concert. Yep. And I was blown away, to be honest. Um, I was like, this is really cool. Mm-hmm. And so when I came back from Australia, I said, you know, I'm going to leave the Catholic face. I'm the, I'm just going to be a normal, regular Christian. I had no idea what that meant, <laughs> and it, it didn't mean anything real at that point, but it was, in a way, a stepping stone because I I let go of the Catholic tradition, and I was more open to my friends inviting me to church mm. uh, at their Protestant churches. And so I had a few friends, Aaron and, and Hans, who came here to the crossing, oh. and they're like, dude, now that you're not a Catholic, like, come, <laughs> come check out the crossing with us. Yeah. And I was like, sure, I'll check it out. And so I was introduced to the crossing sometime at CSU, and... Um, 
they invited me to to life group to the college life group at the time and I remember being like this is really this is really cool there's everyone's so welcoming and encouraging and uh, so I, so I'd come off and on to some services uh, and check out life groups here and there and um, it was really unique I, I wouldn't say that I had given my life to Christ at this point but I was introduced to this idea of community and I would say genuine Christian love and at the same time I met Daniel Smith mm. and he's like oh you play hockey <laughs> or how about you come with us to this uh, pond hockey tournament up in Silverthorne and so I was like sure that sounds great <laughs> so I got to spend the whole weekend with with Daniel and some other people and kind of get to to see what the Christian lifestyle was all about a little bit um, just from their perspective and just being with them for the weekend and the other guys on the team were Christians as well I think most of them yeah. were yeah yeah, cool. yeah we've been in a lot of tournaments so I don't remember exactly who was there but yeah I, but yeah and so I was introduced to the crossing uh, but it wasn't until I moved back to Fort Collins from Denver that I really just invested heavily in the crossing like I said I went to to a great church in Denver called Park Church Denver and uh, yeah, one of the pastors who used to pastor here at the Crossing went and and pastors there now, right? Yeah, yeah. Gary McQuinn is yeah. is the pastor now at, at Park Church, and so in, in Denver, I I really disliked my job at Charles Schwab, mm-hmm. and I really wanted to come back to Fort Collins, and I really wanted to work for Otterbox, and by the Lord's goodness and grace, he he led me back up to to Fort Collins, and um, and with that, I got to just jump in to life at the Crossing. And so, and I, and I was a baby believer at the time, so I was just soaking up everything I possibly mm-hmm. could, jumped into life groups, was taking all of the, the different seminars and, you know, equip and invest, everything I could do. I was just trying to soak it up as much as possible. Yep. So that was kind of my introduction to The Crossing and how I got really invested in here. Awesome. And so then, sometime after that, you did an internship here. Did you did you feel a, like a call to ministry before this internship, or were you like wondering? And then did the internship, and now you're feeling that. So tell us a little bit about like, uh, you know, how you, what you hope for in ministry, and then the internship, how that was for you. Yeah, great question. I think I felt the call to ministry early on in my journey, mm-hmm. um, but I knew that I was a young Christian, and I knew that I needed to needed time to simmer and to be affirmed and confirmed. And so the desire was there pretty early on. I remember uh, a friend at one point asking, hey, what would your dream job be? I said, wow, and this was, this was like right when I was becoming a Christian. And I was like, it would be so cool to be a pastor one day oh, because wow, I would yeah. love to just share with people what I experienced. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that, that, that seed was there early on, uh, but just throughout the course of being here at the crossing and, like I said, doing, you know, equip and invest and belong and going to national conferences mm-hmm. around the U.S. And That's where we met, huh? Yeah. Did we meet at a conference? Yeah, we met at a conference. Probably? Yeah. I think it was TGC. TGC 2017, yeah. probably. Yeah. Yeah. And so all this, all this, this while, the desire for ministry is, is definitely growing and growing. And um, yeah, it came to a head when I, when I was like, I want, I want to take the next step what that might be, and that's when the Lord opened the door to, to pursue a, an internship here at The Crossing. Yeah, so uh, what came first? I'm sorry, I'm getting a little ahead, but like I know you've done PLI also, and for the listeners who don't go to The Crossing, that stands for Pastors Leadership 
Institute or Pastors and Leaders Institute. I've heard it called both things. It's basically our churches and our, our network and a network of churches called Crossway Network, our two-year in-house seminary. I'm saying it in quotes, just like con- theological ministry philosophy education. Uh, what came first? Did they say, hey, you, you know, if you're feeling this call, you should do PLI and then an internship? Or was like, had you started an internship and then a PLI class? started it was actually the the reverse i started with pli yeah that makes and sense at some point throughout the the year and a half or two years of pli um the internship opportunity opened up i think it was probably about halfway through so pli was just slightly before the internship yeah and yeah going through pli was was really good and affirming of my calling as well and i think that probably even helped push me to to seek out more opportunities. Yeah, heck yeah. So to, I want to hear a little bit about your PLI experience because I know mine was different. It's just for the listeners, I was the part of, the, I have the high honor, me and 12 other guys have the high honor of being part of the first combined PLI class of the Crossway Network. Our churches have always done PLIs or for, yeah, I think since the beginning, yeah. since Mothership Mountain View started, they were doing PLI classes. But we've been partnering more and more with our in within our network trying to do things together and so i just graduated in december and we we did our pli with our church the crossing windsor community church high plains harvest and redemption church in loveland and so that was really cool because we got to get to know the pastors of the other churches better they shared the the leadership got to bounce ideas off other guys um so, so what was yours like? I'm not saying ours was better. You probably got more intimate time with Aaron and was Tyler Dell doing it along yep. with you? Yeah. So just tell us a little bit overview. How was PLI for you? What was like maybe one or two of the, your favorite books from it also? Yeah. So it was Tyler Dell, myself, and then we had one other from High Plains Harvest Church, Mike Self. He's the past, one of the pastors over there. And it was just the, the three of us and Santini led it and, uh, it was definitely more intimate. I think it would have been really cool to like what you did and have the camaraderie of many pastors and fellow brothers pursuing it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that sounds really, really special. And I'm glad we're doing it that way now. Mm-hmm. But it was definitely intimate time, and yeah. uh, we, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I got to know Tyler really well, yep. and I think we've become great friends since then. He's a great guy. We love you, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and the study was pretty intensive. Um, a lot of books to read, as I'm sure you're aware of. And, yeah. Um, my favorite part of it, I think, was was going through systematic theology mm. by Wayne Grunham, just the big old honking textbook mm-hmm. that we read pretty much every chapter out of him. Yeah. And that was so devotional in a sense, like it just reading deep theology about who God is, it, it, it drives you to worship. Yeah. And so I've, I found that to be a really worshipful time to read through that That's book. Awesome. And there's a couple of books that, that are really enjoyed the cross of Christ. Mm. Um, yeah. We s- didn't read that one. John Stott. Yeah, right? yeah. Really good. Um, I think we read the holiness of God during that time, mm. which was, is one of my favorite books of all time. Oh, yeah. There's a there's a book recommendation, listeners. Yeah. Holiness of God, R.C. Sproul. R.C. Sproul. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it was it was great. Um, we met pretty much every Tuesday night. I think we had one Just Tuesday like off us. a month. Yep. And, uh, three we, hours long. Yep. yep. Three hours long. Wow. Yeah. 
We we also went through Christ Center preaching mm, by Brian Chapel. That's a good one. Yeah. Learned how to preach expositionally, mm-hmm. which I, I think is such an important aspect of of the church, and that was really cool. Yeah. Amen. Fun fun fact about Wayne Grudem's systematic theology: like he starts it by saying this should be worshipful and devotional. So at the end of every chapter in systematic theology is a hymn, and if you don't know the tune to it, you can at least read it because. He's, his statement is, when you learn this, you shouldn't just walk away with more head knowledge. It should stir you to worship. So read this hymn at the end of this chapter and just worship God. I love that. I don't know. I haven't read any other systematic theologies, but I wonder if the other ones ha- end with hymns to, to stir you to worship the Lord. Yeah, I feel like theology, it should fuel worship. If it's not, then I think we're doing theology wrong. Yeah, I agree. Totally. Amen. We could end this podcast right there <laughs> on that. Um so uh, internship, how long was it? And tell us about that. How did that go and how did that clarify what you hope for you know, the future of doing ministry, being in ministry? Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> so I was working at Otterbox at the time and I really wanted to pursue this internship and I didn't know if I was going to be able to do both of them. Yeah. Um, but I, I talked to my manager at Otterbox and he was really supportive and a huge piece of this. And him and I and our other teammate worked together on a plan of how we could let Brandon go part-time out box so that he can pursue this internship part-time. And so we put together a plan and we presented it to the director of finance and to the CFO. And we, we didn't know if we had a shot at it. <laughs> and by the Lord's grace, my employer allowed me to go part-time at OtterBox. Uh, and part-time in at the internship, which was, I think, a first at Otterbox, which is really cool and unique that I got this opportunity. You're a trailblazer, man. <laughs> and so with that, I, I started the internship at The Crossing, and I was really excited. And might be similar to yours in ways, um, probably different in ways, but it was getting able, was able to shadow the pastoral team and really learn the nuts and bolts of practical ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to do some college ministry as well, which was, which was really exciting. Something I definitely have a passion for just because a little bit of my testimony of what I was seeking in college and Mm -hmm. what I found right after college. I just, I feel a burden to, to tell college students that Jesus is, is better uh, than the vain lifestyles that they are pursuing in in college. Mm -hmm. And so the internship was, was really unique in that way of, of getting to do a lot of everything. I did some administrative work, and I really actually do enjoy that aspect of ministry, God too. God bless you. <laughs> I love finance, because so I got to do a little bit of that as well. And um, I think the, the real highlight was getting to get on campus, and I did not have this in mind, but it's who the Lord brought to me and to us during that time was a group of, of students from Saudi, yeah. and we met them playing volleyball one night, and we called them the Saudi squad. There was four four of them that we got really close to over the whole semester, and they were just here on a one-semester exchange, and oh wow, we got to know them and love them so well. We took them camping, taught them what a s'more was. <laughs> We did, you know, <laughs> Halloween costume parties, mm-hmm. pumpkin carving. They got to come to a, a life group Thanksgiving where we actually had people sharing their testimonies and giving thanks to God. And 
we took them Christmas tree hunting up in the up in the mountains. Wow, you guys really gave them the full America shebang. <laughs> we really did, <laughs> and they returned the favor too. They they cooked some traditional meals for oh, us. Oh man, which they they had me eat a goat's heart, which was it? I, I would not do it again. <laughs> no, it was terrible. <laughs> well, at least you tried it. Yeah. And we, we really got to know these guys. Uh, a few of them really opened up to me with some, some personal things in their lives cool. and what they're going through. And um, Islam is a, is a real honor-shame culture. Mm. And I got to really see some of that when I got to know some of these guys. Yeah. And so toward the end of their time here, I invited them to the crossing. And they, they came to a few different Sunday gatherings and sat through it, heard the gospel preached, participated in worship, and... We had some great conversations afterwards. I got to very explicitly share the gospel with them a few a few separate occasions. And oh, man. One of them, I gave him my, my used study Bible to take home with him. And uh, yeah, there, it was just an incredible time and really got to know these guys. And I still keep in touch with them pretty regularly. We do WhatsApp and do like a FaceTime video type thing or yeah, just message back and forth. And I think that was definitely one of the highlights of the internship. Uh, as well as getting to preach for the, I think it was the first time. Oh, cool! Uh, first, second time during the internship. So Heck yeah, that was that was really cool to to take some of the the things that we were learning from from in the internship and through PLI and apply them uh, to to preach the word. Heck yeah! What well, do you remember? What you what text you preached on? I think during the internship, I preached on Philippians chapter one verses nineteen through twenty six: oh. to live as Christ and to die as gain. Heck yeah! One of my favorites. So what would you give your, what grade would you give yourself on your first sermon? Oh man, <laughs> I don't know. That's a great question. <laughs> on a scale of what? <laughs> Terrible uh, to mediocre? <laughs> yeah, that's probably a good scale for your first sermon. Yeah. That's for mine it was. You don't have to answer that if you don't want to. I'm mostly just grilling you right now. I'm sure I'm the Lord used it, it. That's an amazing text. So, I mean, if you just stuck close to the text probably great just read the text and yeah i should have just probably left it, there probably an a because yeah. the lord used as long as you didn't say anything crazy and heretical which i doubt you did with our pastor's oversight it's awesome yeah. okay sorry i keep i keep throwing in you know tangents and anyways um seminary so you went through how long was your internship sorry oh good question um it was it was cut short a little bit. It was only nine months, and, oh, okay. and there was a reason for that. Um, it was getting tough at Otterbox because the role that I had there wasn't a punch in, punch out, clock in, clock out type mm. type role, where I had projects that were due regardless of if I was part time or not, and it was starting to be a lot of pressure from the Otterbox side to to manage it. Yeah, um, and so. Otterbox approached me and said, hey, we might need you to make a decision, either full-time internship or full-time Otterbox, and I was really wrestling through that for a while, and I remember some sleepless nights trying to figure yeah. out what, what I should be doing, yeah. and, and I, I prayed about it a lot, and I thought at that time it would be more wise to, to go back to Otterbox for a season yeah. and, and focus my efforts there and, and keep praying about more ministry opportunities that would come up down the road. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, um, now you've taken another step since then and you and your wife are enrolled in seminary. 
So tell us, uh, what seminary are you at? How far along are you in? What are you going to get your degree in? So Madison and I, my wife and I, are at Phoenix Seminary, which is where we were talking about Wayne Grudem earlier. It's where he, he teaches, and that's one of the, the big reasons why we, we chose Phoenix Seminary was because they have a great online-only program. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have great professors, Grudem being one of them, and they also gave us uh, a spousal scholarship. So as long as one of us is enrolled, the other one gets tuition for free. Which is for a crazy credit. huge yeah. perk. It, it really made it attainable. Yeah. And it's something that I'd been considering for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I even remember early on in my walk, um, probably five years ago, I attended a, a regional, the Gospel Coalition Conference in Phoenix, Arizona. And I... I talked to some of the, the recruiters at Phoenix Seminary there, and I was like, wow, this would be really cool. And I thought, maybe one day I'll, I'll, I'll do it. And, and sure enough, Madison was, was really encouraging me to, to pursue seminary, and uh, I thought it was the next logical step for us to, to do. And, you know, we got to do PLI here, and then even after PLI, uh, Richard and Tyler and I started to learn Greek for like a year and a half, which was amazing. And it just fueled this desire to continue to learn and to grow and to be equipped for ministry. And so mm-hmm. Madison and I prayed about it, and we decided, you know, let's let's do Phoenix Seminary. So we're enrolled in uh, a Master's of Arts of Biblical and Theological Studies. Cool. Yeah, it's... How it's, many credits? It's a 46-credit program. Okay, cool. And we're trying to do an average of six credits or two courses a semester, uh, fall, spring, and summer, and trying to get it done in, in two and a half or three years. Uh, just with working full-time, it's about all we can, Tot- can do. Yeah, totally. Um, God bless you. If you guys have kids during this time, <laughs> it's going to add something to your plate. <laughs> 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 but the Lord will sustain you. That's right. Yeah. He will. Are you going to gra- – this is really personal, let alone on a podcast, but are you guys going to – like finish with tons of debt or is the Lord providing in a way that you will finish seminary debt free? That's, that's the hope and goal. And that's the trajectory at this point. Praise God. Um, with the spousal scholarship. Yeah. And then we also got another scholarship for our undergrad GPA was, was high enough to earn us 50% off of tuition. What? So we're really actually getting two masters for the price of a half of one, as long as we maintain a 3.0, uh, during, our master's program and with both of us working full-time it's something that we can afford and not have to go into debt right now and and awesome that's how we'd like to finish yeah praise god i know that's a personal question but you know as christians we should all be open books mostly i mean not everyone's as an open book as me and that's okay but hey honesty is appreciated yeah you know i just i want to come alongside you and and I I love seminary. I think it's great, and I could see myself doing it someday. But that's been like the one of the themes I've heard is like it's hard for guys to guys and gals to go to seminary, go in tons of debt, and then get into ministry. Where unless they're a prosperity gospel theologian, which we might talk about yeah. later, <laughs> then you know it's just going to be hard to pay that off. So I just yeah. like that's just for my heart. Like, bro, that's so good to hear that yeah. you guys are both going to have master's degrees and be debt free. Praise God. Yeah, praise God. And that was definitely also another factor of attending was at this point in our life, we can afford this. Like mm-hmm. you said, we don't we don't have kids at the moment and, mm-hmm. and we're both working full time and we've saved up some money so we can we can financially make it work and just 
the scholarships that they've been generous to extend to us yeah, too. And that's really cool. Yeah. So like 30,000 foot view, let's say what's, how, how many semesters are you in? One or two? So, uh, this is the second semester. You've just finished, yep. you're, you're starting, wait, what month are we in? February. You're starting your second semester. Yeah. So you're still pretty new into pretty this new. seminary journey. But so first semester, what's like one of the coolest things you learned that you want to pay forward to me and the listeners? Ooh, oh, great. sorry. <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> there is, there is a you, lot. You could give us good, a few yeah. if you need to. I well, twist your arm for just one. A semester or a course that we took last semester was a course on hermeneutics. Which, which is, is it's essentially the theory and the practice of interpretation. Uh, it's just it's giving you the tools to rightly interpret scripture, mm-hmm. um, and that was a, a great course. We got to learn of the different views of interpretation from church history, from some of the earliest days to to where we are today. So kind of going from um, how how Jewish interpretation worked. Um, they have this thing called, um, you know, the four levels of, of Torah interpretation. Um, and we got to kind of dive into what that looked like and then how that's sh- transformed kind of during the medieval age uh, with, with different forms of interpret- interpretation and then into the Reformation period on how the Reformers approached Scripture and then even to modernity and post-modernity where we're at now, kind of what just how interpretation has changed over history mm-hmm. and what's good in each of those and what's not so good. And that kind of shapes how, you know, we should approach scripture today. We can learn from people who've gone before us and how they've interpreted things well and maybe leave behind some of the things that maybe they, mm-hmm. they didn't yeah. work so well. So that was really unique and, and really cool to kind of learn some of that history. Um, in in that course, you also learns. It's, it's really simple in concept, but we had a few assignments that was just, we had a passage that we were given, and they said, write out 40 observations of this passage without interpreting it. And so we had this passage, and we you just had a, you just had a, my professor says, beat on the text. Just mm-hmm. keep beating on the text, mm-hmm. uh, because you start to see things that you, you didn't first notice just by listing out 40 different observations. That's a lot of observations. And if you have a couple of verses... How am I going to get forty mm-hmm. uh, without trying to like without, interpret? Yeah, I was going to say that like would be a observational challenge. facts that you know about the passage, yeah. and that was really cool practice. And it seems so simple, um, but you get so much from the text just by just by doing that simple practice. And so that's been really cool. I've been done, done that a few times now since then. Uh, we also learned how to trace the arguments, or it could be called bracketing or mm-hmm. arcing, or arcing. Yeah, but essentially you're trying to take a passage and trace the flow of an argument. So Paul, in his epistles, he has a lot of arguments, and uh, it really helps break out and see what clauses go together, how one thing flows into the next, what's the main point, and, and you do it through diagramming and bracketing and arcing and, and showing how things are, are connected and not connected. And uh, that, that's been a really practical, technical tool that, that I learned from, from hermeneutics class. Awesome. That sounds fascinating. I'm a little jealous. You've you've told me some of the books though, and, and if any uh, listeners want to know more, you know, talk to Brandon. He can recommend some good books from seminary. Pay forward his knowledge. So you're not doing all this seminary and PLI and internships um, just to continue in a in a career in finance. You think it seems like you know you have a heart for vocational ministry. So 
how can I and, and the listeners, especially the listeners of the Crossing Church, though any listener can pray for Brandon and his wife, but like, what are you hoping and praying for for the future? That's a really good question. <clears throat> yeah, and Mattis and I, we love seminary, and I think that we would we'd honestly probably be pursuing it even if future vocational ministry wasn't on the table. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's really devotional in nature. A lot of times we we think of it as like two separate things. Like there's, oh, you learn theology and then you, you study and you have your quiet times and whatnot. But really seminary is, is bridging that gap. And uh, so I think um, it's also given us a lot of building blocks too, just critical thinking. and Yeah. So even if vocational ministry isn't something that the Lord has in store, I would definitely still want to be where I'm at today pursuing seminary and yeah would encourage other people to to just always be pursuing knowing more about God because kind of like we talked about earlier like theology fuels worship and getting mm-hmm. to know more of who God is it should just steer you to to praise him more so I think that's just one encouragement before I move on just whether it's seminary or just doing more things here at the crossing or listening to sermons online or going to conferences just keep seeking to know more about who god is yeah absolutely i totally agree yeah we, we should never feel like as christians we've arrived or we like ah, i know the bible well enough like i don't need to this year i'm just gonna read like you know 10 pages instead of like read through the whole bible and i don't need to read all these books now some people like reading more than others but yeah yeah and and readings i mean i'm i'm a fairly slow reader uh, so it takes me a lot longer like than than others to read but it's it's always worth it yeah i know so Um, maybe church plant someday yeah sorry Mm. i kind of diverged no no no, it's okay um, i'm rounding back to it yeah i think yeah i I definitely have a a hope and a prayer for vocational ministry i would love to to be pastor one day and i'd love to serve with my wife madison she's a great musician she is singer yep the guitar the piano the cello the vocals so Serving with her in a church one day sounds amazing, and I would love to, uh, yeah, pursue college ministry even as well in that. Um, yeah, I think seminary is a good tool um, to equip me to be a minister of the gospel, but really it's just going to come down to the Lord's timing and Him opening the right doors. And mm-hmm. um, So yeah, I would ask just that you guys continue to, to pray for us and um, that the Lord would open doors in a direction of vocational ministry, but that I would find joy and contentment in the here and now with where I'm at and and what God's put in front of me. Um, Because, amen. Yeah. That's a good word for all of us, no matter what season we're we're in in life. Probably all of us are hoping for something at some point. And yet the, the, the goal and challenge of following Jesus is I can be happy right now because the gospel is true in the here and now. If I get the thing that I'm hoping for or not. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Well, cool, Brandon. Thanks so much for being on. Um, Really appreciate your story and just hearing all the encouragements of your steps of faith that you and Madison are taking and continuing your education. And, you know, I'm I'm a little biased because I love you and consider you a good friend, but I think the Lord's going to use you guys in a big way, whether that's vocationally or not. You're just a gift to the church and inspiration to me and I hope to the listeners. So... You get the final word. Oh. Give us a benediction or or, or some sort of boast. <laughs> Alrighty. 
Well, one one general encouragement, we've been talking about it, but just never stop reading your Bible. Mm. Just every day, yeah. read it. It is so good for the soul. And like we are talking about, pray for contentment and joy in the midst of whatever circumstance you have going on right now, uh, whatever your hopes and your aspirations are for the future. That's good. Pray big, but pray with open hands. Pray for joy and contentment and Above all else, find Jesus as your, your greatest treasure. Um, Matthew 13, I, I love this passage. It's been on my heart a lot lately, but it says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. And then in his joy, he goes and he sells all that he has, and he buys that field. Yeah. And I think when when Jesus is our greatest treasure, our lives are going to reflect that in the way that we love others the way that we pursue whatever career that we're in and it'll, it'll shape how we navigate through life and so yeah i would just say make your life count for the gospel mm-hmm. madison and i's kind of marriage verse is is in philippians 1 27 and it says only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of jesus christ amen and so that would just be my, my parting awesome. words awesome thank you brandon that's so good you guys, uh, thanks for listening. Well, I got really close to the mic there. Uh, God bless you. Have a great week. You'll hear from us again soon. Bye-bye.